Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. So today is going to be a bonus podcast. When I was in college, I had a friend named Marissa Klein, uh, who is now married, no longer Marissa Klein, but she's still as cool as she was in college. She was one of those uh, people you were really like kind of taken with in college, incredible fashion from outside of New York City. Uh, you know, just a, just a cool, a cool woman or a cool young woman at the time. So her and her sister, Jamie, have a podcast called The Dreamcatchers Podcast. And contrary to my belief, because uh, I could think that the universe revolves around me, she actually did not know that I was sober. She didn't know anything about, you know, me bottoming out and uh, all that ugly stuff. And when we started this podcast, it kind of came on her radar. And her and her sister asked me to be on their podcast and share my journey with them as it relates to personal and professional. And it was really cool. This podcast is really cool. And I think you'll, you'll get something out of it uh, as far as from a recovery standpoint, for sure. And then even other stuff is just, you know, my development through all this. It's all about, you know, they use the payoff, obviously the name of this podcast, as the theme for the podcast I did with them. And when people ask me, hey, well, tell me about this in your life, I always go back to sobriety because everything for me, positive, starts with getting sober. And I think if you take time to listen to this, if you want to, you'll find out that that's a recurring theme. So check it out. Dreamcatchers podcast with me. I'm sharing it on our feed because they're awesome and it's a cool pod. And uh, But first, I'm headed out to California to see this dude in a couple of days. Kevin Souza. Stand by the ocean floor. Welcome to the Dreamcatchers, everyone. Thank you for being here. We are um, here today with a very special guest and old friend and of mostly Marissa's, but I remember his name very vividly, although I was way younger when we met. <laughs> way. Um, way. Like, te- like tween. Uh, like a couple years older than Sienna, Marissa's daughter, which is wild. So thank you for being here. Yeah, that's true. We're going to have you introduce yourself to our audience in just a moment. Thank you to our audience for being here today. I know it's a gorgeous day here on the East Coast. So if you're listening from an an AirPod or you're taking a walk, which we, I thankfully was able to do earlier today, but I'm obviously indoors now. I tried to, I was going to take this outside and then I was afraid that my connection would be too funky. Um, So wanted to welcome everyone. We are here for a What's the Word episode today. We're going to talk about the word payoff for a couple of reasons. And we're going to have our guest, Pete, introduce himself in just a minute. But Marissa wanted to make sure you had a chance to say hello to the audience, talk about a little bit why you decided to have Pete on today. We're so excited to have him here um, for many, many reasons. So go ahead, Marissa. So hi, everybody. Welcome back. It's a beautiful day. I'm feeling all of the feels. I think I, I'm not alone in saying that the New York area is fighting back and wants to feel very alive with this dose of sunshine. Um, I am 
excited and honored and privileged to have a friend on um, on today's show. I have known Pete for 20 plus years. He and I went to college together in a another beloved web. Um, we are both proud graduates of the University of Richmond and we are known as the Spiders. Um, that was our mascot. And there's a lot of play on words as Richmond students to be part of a web. Um, so it's not ironic or lost on me that web has been a very big, or that word has been a very big part of my professional journey um, and part of our dream catchers culture because the truth is, is who you collect and who you capture and who you touch in your life ends up being part of your personal and professional web and or journey. So I actually saw that Peter, and I, I don't want to say too much, but I saw he was working on something incredibly remarkable. And I have to say, I'm really proud, and this is to any of my spiders that are listening, a lot of our friends did really amazing things with their lives, like a lot. And um, I said, I'm like, you know, I'm going to start turning this magnifying glass on people I used to know from other chapters of life, because it's really, really fun to unpack stories, especially from a vantage point from this side, because there's several that I remember of Pete from the other side that, you know, she, he and I have discussed several times in the last couple of weeks, and we're not going to share them today, um, especially the ones that he knows about me. So... <laughs> Uh, because all our, our stories are pre-social media and luckily they're safe there. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I reconnected with him after seeing something he was doing and I was really proud and he, you know, in typical spider way, I reached out and he responded, I don't know, 30 seconds, maybe two minutes. Um, because that was the kind of bond that we all had at that school. And, uh, anyway. Pete, introduce yourself. Well, when the super cool, popular, uh, pretty girl like, sends you a message, it's just like college. You respond right away, <laughs> or maybe you try not to. Um, I still have that. I still have that that gene. Um, thank you. You still have the flattery too. Yeah, uh, Jamie and Marissa, thank you so much for uh, just for having me today, for giving me this opportunity. Uh, it really was great, Marissa, to hear from you uh, when you know this this thing called the payoff, the word today that we're talking about. For me, you know, it, it is about, you know, one of the things that, that I think brought my, me back on your radar was the podcast I'm doing. And it's called The Payoff with Pete. Um, and, you know, that pretty much is why I'm here today. It's, a, it's sort of a crossover between, I, I like what Jamie said before, like your personal and professional. You do a little personal and you do a little professional. For me, um, you know, the personal is professional, really, uh, because... Yeah. I, my personal life was kind of out of whack big time. So, you know, my story is and the, the thing about the payoff is I got sober about nine and a half years ago. Uh, and I've been on a journey ever since. Um, and it's been pretty awesome. And, and it's, it was, it's been hard like anybody else's life, but I have gotten to a point where I'm actually like pretty comfortable in my own skin. I'm actually, pretty confident. I have some things going. I still have the same type of insecurities and fears I had when I was younger, when I first met you, but I used to like calm a lot of those fears with like drinking uh, and, and, you know, and other stuff. And uh, the payoff is getting to the other side and not needing any of that stuff 
to live like a real full life because you know I'm an alcoholic. That's why I got sober. And when you're when you have that alcoholic mentality, a lot of times you think I need something to to be something better or to enjoy this. And uh, to get sober and to work a program, I've learned that that's not true. Um, so I mean that's that's the crux of this whole thing. Um, and I'm just you know I'm stoked to be here. Well, to that to that point, you know the Dreamcatchers is about uh, career, right? It is about um, the journey that people are on professionally, how they touch others, how they inspire others, how they make impact in their life. That's what we do. That's what we shine light on. That's what we're all about. We've also spent a lot of times, Jamie and I, professionally over the course of the last better half of the last two decades, talking about how career is actually very much, very much intertwined with mental wellness. And what you would or would not have known is the first, the first episode that we kicked off this year was uh, for 2021 was about um, mental wellness and suicide prevention with a guest who was phenomenal, yeah. our, our friend Susan. And, you know, I, I just truly believe that we are living in a time where it's enough is enough and it is important for other people to be able to relate to senior executives that are magnetic and charismatic and important and making strides and also have healed pieces of their brokenness. And some pieces are still broken and that's okay. And I think that when you and I were graduating and yes, Jamie has said that we are a couple of years older than her, <laughs> but in truth, the generation between, which it was a tiny bit, but between Jamie and you and I, there was a little bit more ability to be your authentic self. You and I were at that tail end where being your authentic self in a professional capacity was not always okay. And I, I'm, I would guess that that played into some of your qualms and the illness that you battled. But what I love about your story is, I mean, it's trifold. You succeeded anyway, which, his testament. I mean, you were succeeding and holding an incredible career, even while battling your addiction. And then not only that, you've landed on your feet and now are using your voice to help others, mm. which frankly, it, it echoes everything that we stand for because our mantra, um, one of the gazillion that Jamie and I spiel out on a regular basis is to lead with light. So, you know, and that's why I said to you before, when I talked to you briefly, like you're leading with light. You're leading with courage. You're, you're getting out there. I mean, you're a news anchor, right? Like you're a, a public figure and you're like, by the way, this is me. And I think that that is what everyone in all walks of life needs to see, hear, and feel on a regular basis. So I commend you. I'm a little late in the game, but I commend you for your bravery. I yeah, agree. thanks for the compliment. I think that um, I totally agree, and I am excited to unpack all that with you today. And one of the things that we really preach and we believe is so much of who we are is what we do, right? Is like, what do you do for a living? Like, do you work? Do you not work? It's so much of who we are. And I think, you know, what we're trying to really shine light on is, okay, so who you are is what you do, and what you do is who you are. Right. So we unpack that all day, every day with candidates. Like, who are you as a human? What do you want to do with your life? 
you know, and why, and what are your skills that translate to those things, right? And so having people on our podcast that have done superior things and have battled superior things and have risen and and figured out how to get to the other side is really what we're trying to shine light on because it just humanizes the entire professional experience, right? Here's senior level people that also struggle with whatever it is from addiction to, I mean, something more nominal. But I think that that human story is so important to share with our listeners who are career shifters, career seekers, new grads, that it's just like, okay, to like, kind of struggle a little bit or like figure out your way. And also to be, to be, by the way, a successful, let's, let's just go there for a second, a successful man, white man, showing vulnerability in a profound way. I mean, it's important to be doing that right now. Um, You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's it's an on-brand move for the brand. It's an on-brand move for the brand. Okay. Um, Go ahead, Jamie, kick it off. Our favorite question. What did you want to be? What is your earliest memory of what you wanted to be when you grew up? It's ironic because I, uh, you know, I didn't, it was like, I took a roundabout way of getting here, but I always wanted to get into broadcast when I was a kid. Uh, My father, and this is like, you know, a therapist's dream. My father used to, when Peter Jennings came on on the screen, like everybody, nobody could really talk. Uh, and, and, and to me, I realized the news was important in my house. So I, I thought, man, like that's, you know, that's important. Like those guys are important. My father listens to them because he doesn't always listen to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought, wow, that's something um, that I'm attracted to. So, I mean, I, and then also I just kind of had my, 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 my God-given skills lend itself to that. Uh, I had to, I, I'm having back trouble. I had to fill out, I had to fill out a form today. Um, and I felt like I didn't, I didn't feel very smart because I'm just like, you know, I, I have like, I'm dyslexic, I'm ADD, um, and I'm making like silly mistakes. Like I'm, you know, today's the 8th of April and I'm putting, you know, the year 421, eight. And, and it's like, what are you doing? You, you know, it's like, so my brain doesn't know necessarily, I mean, of course I corrected and got it right, but my brain doesn't necessarily work like that. I'm more of an, an orator. I mean, I like to write, but so those are my skills. So it all kind of came together. I was always in sports broadcasting, even as a kid. I, I did basketball games on the radio show when I was in college with Marissa, but um, I wanted to get into broadcast. I wanted to be out there. I was a ham. I used to hold like rock concerts in front of my family. Um, you know, it's just kind of who I am. So I, I was, I would hear the dreaded words from my brothers when their friends were over, stop showing off, mm. showing the worst. But that was, that was kind of me as a kid. Sounds like Elliot. My little one's like that. <laughs> yeah. um, I, we always say he's either going to be on air or a comedian or an actor or something. And I do yeah. think, you know, Marissa, I think this is my maybe proving one of our points again. There are a couple of jobs that when you wanted to be that when you were a kid, it's like 99% of those people are actually doing that thing. And there's not very many of those people. And I think we typically see it in teachers. Like if somebody really wanted to be a teacher, they end up teaching in some capacity. Um, healthcare workers, nurse, doctor. Well, but yeah. more, nur- more nurse, more nurse than doctor, because a lot of people right. want to be doctors and then discover they don't like blood and stuff. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm getting something from Pete today that I don't know that I've really thought about as one of ours, which is, you know, when you grow up with that desire to be in front of an audience, 
that typically is something that you end up going off to do. Now, for me, I wanted to be a dancer and I still dance on the side, but I'm not like a backup dancer. That's what I thought I was going to be with in my, in my life. Right. But here I am now regularly speaking and engaging in front of large audiences, which does correlate in a lot of ways to our theories of when you want to be something from a young age, typically that correlates somewhere in your life or is the exact opposite indicator of what you end up doing. So it is interesting to me that you were kind of always that kind of ham. So walk us through a little bit then of how you got into what you're doing. Um, Like what did you major in? What were your internships? Did you always do broadcasting from the beginning? It's not necessarily. No, I got into broadcasting um, and, you know, I got to talk a little bit of personal as we weave it in because it goes into the professional story. Please do. Um, I, I was broadcasting in, in, in college, like I said, doing, doing games on the radio. And then a friend of ours that Marissa and I went to college with and I kind of worked together. He had a job in New York. I was outside of Philadelphia afterwards for like six months after college. And, and he and I were extremely close. And he said, look, I've got an opportunity for you. You come up to New York City work with me, you know, we're, we'll live together. And it wasn't like much of a situation that was going on at the time. Um, and, and I was like, you know, known as, you know, as much as I like to drink and have fun in college, I did kind of learn, I had, I had skills to like grind, you know, mm-hmm. and he and I, I went up there um, and the whole thing that he and I were wrapped up in really, really started to take off. His name's Todd McShay. So we were working for a company called Football Scouts and the, uh, the war room it was called. And then it basically, we did stuff with the sporting news. It was really, really cool. Personally, I wasn't, I wasn't ready. I mean, Marissa was around um, and saw yes, some of We were very close at this time. This is yes. when, it was like a very short window from mm-hmm. graduation to nine, like before 9-11. Yeah. Or like, mm-hmm. I, right even before I met Dave, where I was yeah. literally would go out on a regular basis, Todd, Pete, Marissa. Yes. The three of us. And the fact of my life was I was hiding from a lot of people was once I got to New York, I'd always had like the ism, but I really, when I say the ism, like alcoholism, like, you know, uh, I, I really enjoyed the nightlife. I really enjoyed the nightlife and, and, and that consumed me. So, you know, that took me out for a little while. And then I circled back um, and got into the NBA. I worked in the NBA, kind of got my stuff together, never totally stopped drinking. I worked in the NBA in public relations for about seven years for, the Charlotte Hornets and for the Philadelphia 76ers, I did public relations for them, um, which was a real nice job. It was a heady job. You travel with the team, you're doing um, all kinds of stuff that as a kid, you're like, wow, I would love to do that. But I was never really there because I was always, I, I was really drinking a lot. And were you, uh, were you on air at all during those years? Were you being interviewed on air or were you behind the scenes mostly? In I was behind the scenes. So, you know, as public relations representative, yeah. a person like I was basically a liaison between the team's front office and their players and the media. And for me, it was a good fit because, you know, I went to college to be an athlete. I had a heart problem and I couldn't play, but I was kept on scholarship and kept within the the program at, at Richmond. So I kind of knew, I just knew I I was an athlete. I mean, supposedly, uh, but you know, I I know a lot of athletes I know how to work with them. So it was a good fit, but again, I was never at my full potential and I really flamed out. And I was being interviewed uh, at some points because right before I really flamed out, I was back in Charlotte um, working for the, the Hornets on air. But I mean, I just, I hit a wall and, uh, you know, without getting into the, the details of it, I mean, it was bad. It was bad, you know, and I couldn't stop drinking. Um, and so I got sober. And when I got sober, I was in rehab and I just really was like, what do you want to do? dude? 
what do you want to do? I had a full heart and a clear mind. And I said, I, you know, I wanted to get into broadcasting. And after I was in, 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 uh, in rehab, I actually went to like, Mercer doesn't even know this, I don't think. So I went to like, I was like 30 something years old. I went to this really posh rehab called Karen outside of uh, Philadelphia, maybe like it's towards like Warnersville. It's where like Taylor Swift grew up, like, like that area. Um, and- uh, hey, Taylor. Come, Huh? <laughs> saying hey to Taylor real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, Taylor, yeah, hopefully she's fine. Hey, Taylor. So, and if I go too long with this stuff, just give me like, a, tell me to wrap Not up. Not at all. Yeah. I'm, I'm hanging, I'm hanging on your every word. So I go to, uh, I go to rehab and, uh, you know, I'm getting done there and they say, hey, you should probably go somewhere else. Like you don't have really anything going on. And I'm like, you know, what's somewhere else? Basically they're like, you need to go to like a halfway house. Um, and I go to this halfway house and, you know, I was really into sobriety and the whole thing was around like the 12 steps and it was where it was really working for me. My life started to change. I started to become fulfilled. But meanwhile, I'm a 30, you know, two year old dude or a 33 year old dude. And I'm living in that in a house with like eight to 10 other guys. And a lot of them were younger than me. Um, and, you know, they're you know, you had to get a job. They're like, you got to get a job, dude, or, or else we won't let you stay in this house. And uh, I was like, OK. You know, um, and the people had jobs at like McDonald's and like Starbucks and like, you know, I've just worked in the NBA. I'm like, I'm not, you know, I'm not getting these jobs. And uh, long story short, eventually I, I ended up and like if somebody like Marissa were to walk in, this was like nah, about 10 years ago. I was working at a, at, a, at a Kentucky Fried Chicken for like six months. Now, if so, like if some, and I used to think it was outside of Baltimore, if somebody I went to college with walks in here right now like a Brad Fowler who was living in Annapolis <laughs> I mean I don't know what I would have done because I kind of just went off the grid to take care of myself um and 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 the reason I bring up that experience is because it sort of shat it shattered my ego I mean I still have to shatter my ego every day you know it's, I, I fight that battle but it shattered my ego and I was able to realize okay like this is it gave me perspective man and, and uh or ladies I should say and uh you know yeah. it showed me that you know, you need humility is um, humility is a big thing that I did not have at all. And so anyways, I went back and worked in the NBA. I really got my life together. I worked in the NBA D League. I'm sober. I still am. Um, I lived in Wait, and your contacts and your contacts were OK. Like after that's and that's, and by the way, how did you how did you obviously your friends and colleagues knew that you were ill? Right. Yeah, this yeah. is 10 years ago where the mentality of people. It was pretty modern. They were willing to give you another shot or yeah. they were willing. Okay. So, so you, people, you tapped so, onto people you knew well and said, I'm better. Give me that's a, a great, that's a great point. So yeah, I mean, part of my program is you make amends. I mean, there were certain, I remember when you get sober, when you're in the kind of condition I'm in, like people would see me. I remember I was working for, I was probably two or three years sober. I was working at the NBA summer league in Las Vegas for, for the NBA uh, development league. And guys that I worked with in Charlotte when I was really bad in my addiction saw me and they could just tell, like the light was on. Mm. I was different. Um, and that following October, I actually ended up moving back to Charlotte and I worked for the Hornets uh, basketball team. I started to do broadcasting for them. I did radio, I did digital. Um, but yeah, Marissa, back to the contacts thing. Um, I, what the, the, one of the biggest lifelines I ever got thrown, this guy named Billy King was the general, general manager of the Sixers when I was there. And he was the general manager of the Brooklyn Nets. And they had a team in the NBA Development League. And I just sent Billy a note on a whim because I saw a job opening. Um, 
you know, that I wanted. And uh, it was in the NBA Development League for the team that the Nets owned. And he, uh, he, he just helped me out big time. He believed in me. He, you know, he saw I was on the other side of it. And it's things like that that started to happen to me when I got sober that changed my, just, just totally changed my life. Cause I was living right. So right things started to happen to me, but you know, it doesn't happen overnight and not all, you know, there's certain relationships that don't come back into your life. And that is a part of the acceptance that you just, that you live with. Um, but you know, the stuff with, with how I talked about working at the KFC, you know, that enabled me to get into news because when I got into news, I moved from Charlotte. I went to Northeast Louisiana. Um, and my life was very, wasn't small. It was big, like in a spiritual perspective, but I was, you know, I'm from the Northeast. You know, I, I lived in New York. I, I lived in Philly. I lived in Charlotte. Um, so it was, it was a change. Um, and, but it, you learn humility through kind of getting the, I had that gift of desperation before I got sober and it just changed my whole perspective. You know, you've said some really interesting things already, like mantras that are like nuggets that I'm like hanging on to. Like I was living right. So right things started to happen to me. I think that is, you know, yes, yours is an extreme example because of what you've gone through. But I think that's so much of what we talk about so much, like all the time, which is so much we talk about so much, but it's really, I'm like a loss for words. It's what you put into the universe and what is what the universe gives back to you. I mean, that's one of the things that Marissa and I say to our clients and candidates and listeners all the time. It's just, you know, you're starting to do this quote unquote light work, right? You're working on yourself. You're working with your, your others are seeing the light in you. And this is so much of what we say to others. Like if you lead with light and you bring light to others, that's when success starts to happen to you. So before we wrap our Facebook feed, I'd love to hear just quickly your, we've obviously gone over a little bit of your aha moments, but if you could just give us an overview, a quick overview of what you're doing now with the podcast, mm -hmm. where you're working now, um, Obviously, you're an anchor. You moved to news. Would love to just yeah. hear the quick, quick overview. Really, you've really channeled your southern roots. <laughs> I know, yeah, right? Totally. I know. So tell uh, us, I the, the guy from Philly has gone all over the southeast. I know. And and I, I now, now I'm in central Texas. I'm in Waco, like so. I'm right between Dallas and Austin. And the only I reason think I know Waco is uh, not the only reason. Now Joe. Yeah, totally. Joe yeah. Adagines. Yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So basically, I thought, let me get this thing off the top of my phone. So I thought, um, I didn't think I'd be here for long, and I actually have ended up really enjoying it. One of the things, and this leads to the podcast, the station I work for, I'm on in the morning, uh, it's CBS affiliate here. You know, they've allowed me to do, they allow me to do this podcast. I do play-by-play -play for, for sports. I do stuff for ESPN. I do production for ESPN. And, uh, you know, that's a big deal. So I'm kind of like working based out of here, and I'm able to do all these different things now the focus is I like that that's nice yeah. that you do that yeah yeah no and not everybody lets you do that um mm. and which kind of keeps me here uh it makes I, I like that about this station a lot um and they know my story you know that's another thing and that brings me to the podcast you know I've been sober for about nine for over nine years and I went to the the guy our general manager and I told him hey I've got this idea I want to do a podcast about recovery I've just been moved to do this forever and I always thought, okay, I'll do it when, you know, I, I always thought, honestly, there was a fear-based thing. I was like, I'll wait till I'm in New York um, and I've got enough leverage with my career that it won't burn me because I figure like until I'm quote unquote, this is the ego now, big time, um, that I'll be vulnerable and, you know, you're always going to be vulnerable. Um, so, so I, anyways, I did it. I talked to other people about doing the podcast. I asked my general manager, he was on board, news directors on board. 
And the podcast is I sit down with one person every week and we go through their journey of, you know, what it was like, what happened, what it's like now. Uh, and it's the people I talk to because I'm attracted to people that work a program like me, a 12 step program. You know, I don't represent Alcoholics Anonymous, but it's what saved my life. And yeah. it's, what gave, it's what gave me a life. So when I talk about 12 step program, that's what I'm talking about. Um, and I feature these people and I just, we, we go on their journey and, and, and it's the ups and the downs and it's the ups and, and, and downs in sobriety. Like my life is not all unicorns and rainbows, but I have a place to go and people to talk to, um, you know, when the SIJT hits the fan. Uh, and, and so that's what the podcast is about. I, I talk to people about the freedom that comes with recovery because I, when I was drinking and using uh, the last thing I wanted to do was stop because I thought, I don't know how I'll be able to have fun. Um, you know, I just don't know how I'll be able to exist. What will I do without this stuff? And it's all BS, but it takes a lot of work and you kind of kind of grind through the beginning and then you end up wearing life like a loose shirt sometimes at some point. Another good nugget. I like that. Wearing life like a loose shirt. Well, yeah. on that note, on that note, we'll say bye to our Facebook audience because I think you know, if you want to hear the rest of Pete's story, which I can't wait to hear, you'll have to find us on all, actually all platforms now. We're so excited to say we are now available on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and iHeartRadio. So check us out there. We're also going to try to see if we can feature this, just a small, you know, plug um, as a special episode of Pete's podcast. So we'll see if sure. we figure that out. So check us out there. If you want to hear the rest of this great interview, find us on your podcast apps. Go Spiders. Go spiders. Go spiders. Go blue. I always throw that in. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy. Available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Jamie, you know how much I love to give somebody a gift that I'm passionate about, right? I just, oh my gosh, of course. I find something, we're tagging, we're sharing, we're, we're DMing each other. We have the megaphone. We have the megaphones. Yes. The minute I love something, it's like I want to give it to every single person I love because that's the way you and I work. That's the way I felt when I was gifted a Taja candle with a customized little saying that meant something specifically for me. And it smelled good and it lasts forever. And it's just gorgeous. For the dream catchers, everything for us, both Marissa, myself, and Jamie is about leading with light. So it makes perfect sense that our favorite gift to give is just that, a, a beautiful gift of light from our friends, Annabelle and Taja Collection in Miami. It's female founded. They're handmade in Miami in small batches. Everything on the candle is fully customizable. So you can customize the front, the lid, the underneath of the lid, the scent, and then the actual candles are reusable as vases. And I also find when you don't know what to get somebody, a candle is just always the best gift. And for me, the littlest things make me super, super happy. And if it's a gorgeous candle, I feel like I'm spoiled. I totally agree with you. And they're 100% soy wax and free of all junk. So you're not like inhaling grossness when you're burning them in your home. If you want to try Taja Collection for yourself, check them out, www.tajacollection.com. That's T-A-J-A. Use code DREAMCATCHERS10 for 10% off. Okay, so Pete, um, 
So now we're not on air anymore live, like physical, but still really excited to have this rest of this conversation. Um, so that being said, you know, you've said so many amazing nuggets already, obviously, that I'm I'm just like absorbing. I like want to be writing them down, wearing life like a loose shirt. I love that. Um, you know, I'm a big, big Glennon Doyle fan. And I, as I think most of us are, um, and I read her book this year and I've actually read both of her. She has three, but I read her second book, um, just a couple of weeks ago, I finished it and it's all about her addiction. And she has now made like a full life, right. About, um, being sober and empowering women, mostly women, but empowering women to live their best life. And, you know, it's so amazing to me how much I relate to her, even though I myself am not an addict or, you know, a recovering anything, but everything she says is so applicable to my life. And it's just amazing and inspiring to me that like what you've been able to go through and that you quote unquote had to go through is, is can be really translated to almost anybody's struggles. And as I read some of her work or I'm listening to the things you're saying, like, I think it's very, it's very universal, the language you're speaking. So I want to say something about that because I was listening to that too. I think I want to choose my words wisely, obviously, because you don't want to devalue the importance of the 12 step program for somebody that's actually sick, right? For those of us that are not sick, Believe you me, I bet most of us could really benefit from the belief system, the structure of the 12-step program. Sure. The acceptance, the forgiveness, the, you know, all I don't, I only know a few of them um, yeah. off the top of my head, just from you know, life or pop culture or whatever. But the the ability to be able to stare at your demons and make peace with them mm. um, is, you know not something that most of us get to do. Most of us actually hide from the things that are scary for us. You know, Bertha, what, you just said, what you just said shows a lot about your attitude and your perspective, because yeah. you said it's not something most of us get to do. And that right there is like, you know, to come from that place, because it really is a reward, but yeah. it, sure, it sure doesn't feel like it when somebody talks about doing it or taking an inventory, or facing their 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 demons or fears or whatever. Yeah, it's hard. It is. It's hard. And you know, I think about you. You know, your your your. First of all, I mean, granted, I don't. I did not remember. But why would I? About you having um, ADD or dyslexia. You 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 had struggles um, as a kid. You were an athlete on scholarship and then couldn't play. Um, what was your major with us again? Were you, re- you were communication, communications. communications. Okay. Yeah. So I think, I think I remember being in classes with you, but I think it was because I'm almost minored in journalism and I think uh-huh. we overlapped. Yeah. And I, and I took a bunch of journalism classes. Uh, yeah. I, I think we journalism. were in those classes together. Yep, uh-huh. There was one, one professor I really liked. He had a mustache a beard or something. I, I don't remember. Um, but you know, I was going to minor and then didn't Hank have enough Newer. time. Maybe Hank Noor or, or Hank Noor. Yeah, yes. Or, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Him. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, and I really liked communications, but I didn't have room because the way school was, they made, it was just so business focused. I didn't have flexibility to do anything else when I majored. Yeah. Um, but I just think about you holding down the pace that we had to hold. Mm. Like our, it was tough where we were. And yeah. then to not have the, to not have the. Um, the skills. I mean, the basic, like, like, like you're different. Uh, and that's, yeah. I mean, 
you know, I, the type of guy that I am, uh, it just didn't lend itself to like the structured school environment. I heard a story once, you know, when I was a kid, they put me on Ritalin, um, which is like fine, but it didn't work for me. I think if a kid, if a parent, I'm not telling anybody how to parent their kid, it works for some people. It didn't work for me. And, you know, I heard a story once about this woman and I don't exactly remember who she was. She was, uh, anyways, this woman goes, she, she, she's a girl and she can't pay attention in school at all. And she, she's acting out constantly. And her mom brings her to this doctor. This is like in the thirties. And the doctor is like, you know, I don't know what to do. And he looks out in the hallway and he sees the, the girl kind of twitching and then dancing around. And he's just beautifully dancing. And the doctor says to his mom, He's like, your daughter doesn't need to more structure in school. Like she needs to go be a dancer. And the woman turned out to be one of the greatest dancers, like, you know, in like Switzerland. And the basic, as it was told to me, you know, a lot of times that kid would be put on, hey, let's give him some ADD meds and get him structured and get him in an environment. And it's not, you know, I think the schooling system is fine. I'm not here to reinvent that wheel. But for certain people, I think that, um, it was hard. The structure was hard for me, like you said. And uh, you didn't, yeah, you I, didn't fit. You, you didn't. I, by the way, we can have this conversation at a whole other time. I didn't fit the traditional model of things either. But yeah. you wouldn't have known that, yeah. me, right? Yeah. So I think there are a lot of things in life that when you don't fit into the colored line, when you can't color between the lines, you don't know how to figure out how to belong. So you look for other ways to cope. Um, totally. And obviously you were predispositioned um, yeah. for your addiction, but even so, you know, you, you managed to go from one job to the next where you were in, for what it's worth, a pretty high profile position considering you were not well. So you managed yeah. to either fool the, fool the audience or fool yourself and fool, you, fool, you, fool them both, yeah. right, um, into to controlling it. And then, um, you know, needless to say now, you're doing all the things that you wanted to be doing. So no, let me just, just be clear for our audience, our job seeking audience. Yeah. Um, you are the morning news anchor, correct? Morning news anchor at KWTX in central Texas. I get up, we cover like this area, obviously we cover Waco and then we have a pretty big reach of like Bell County, which is towards Austin. And we go up North, this uh, city called West. Um, so it's a pretty, Texas is huge. So we cover yeah. a pretty big, obviously. So we cover a pretty big uh, chunk of Texas. But yeah, I'm, I get up every morning at, at some the two thirty, two two a.m. two thirty. It's like it's like basically bedtime right now. No, what we're getting there. Know? Yeah, yeah, we're getting there. Luckily, it's luckily you don't have cocktail hour anymore. No, yeah, no, no I don't have cocktail. It's perfect for you. You don't even have but to worry I, about it. But what I time do you go to bed? You know, it's funny, and I do. I like to go out with people. I like to go to restaurants and bars and socialize. But at the same time. It's a kind of, you know, you can get at anything when you tell somebody, yeah, I got to wake up at 2 a.m. Yeah. So during the week, and it's the truth. So during the week, I kind of, it's a weird way to live. I'm not going to make any, um, you know, tell you that it's like this terrific, like, lifestyle that I've completely adjusted to. Every Monday, I'm like, whoa. I mean, you, because I do regular stuff on the weekend. I go out with friends. I stay up late. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Like, when you, when I, even coming out of my mouth, I can't, I still can't believe I get up at 2 a.m. And, and arrive at work between 3 what and 3.30. And that's that's the that's the thing. Like sometimes you'll live crazy and go to bed at eight. You know, it's like, and but but then you don't feel great. Wild. Day. It's yeah. like still sunny out. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's tough. In the I summer. So do you sleep? Curtains. This is really important. Do you sleep with a sleep mask? 
Uh, yeah, I have a mask and I have like a, like a sound machine. Um, yeah, me too. You know, like, yeah. Like, but like I, I don't sleep those hours. So like, like, it's, not, it's impossible to go to bed at 8 p.m. Like when it's the hard. sun's up. That's why I love, uh, I love the fall. I love, uh, you know, anything before daylight saving. Wow. Okay. So the, the aha, your, your moment, you, you sat your manager down, you kick off this podcast. Now, how many guests have you had so far? I think 10. Um, yeah, I just, I just uh, did one with a, with a woman who, who grew up outside of Philadelphia where I grew up and uh, she is in the medical field and her name's Courtney. She was just couldn't stop drinking. She, she almost went to, she was going to go to jail um, and she kept drinking. She had a, a racked up DUIs and she got sober and had to go in front of a medical board and like explain herself. And, but at this time she'd been sober for a little while. Um, this is just part of her story. And she told everybody, she told the, the guys on the medical board the truth. And these three doctors actually had experience with recovery and they believed in her and they believed, you know, she was on the right path. And now her life, you know, that's kind of her aha moment, right? And now her life is so full, she's a beautiful, uh, you know, child, a beautiful family, a beautiful husband. It's just really cool. So, and it's important for me too, because honestly, I, as an alcoholic male, you deal a lot in, with males. Like, you know, it's just kind of the way it is. Like, I, I talk to sober women, but I mean, like, it's a different experience. I mean, and, and it sounds old school um, and, and progress is being made on all fronts, but it is, you know, one of the questions I asked her, I said, what is it like? What's unique to being an alcoholic woman? Um, we talked about that. But so I've tried to make an effort to have, you know, I think I've had four women on it and maybe six guys. So, so and that's interesting. On, on one dimensional, you know, we, our, our careers tend to play into uh, more female. Mm -hmm. So we are actually making a conscious effort because we're very inclusive, you know, and, and, and want our conversations to not feel predominantly on the female side. Yeah. Um, so thank you for, thank you for indulging us. Um, yeah. And then additionally, uh, back to you and what you're doing, uh, I, I want to go deep for a second. Um, I'm, I'm assuming you're still very active or at least uh, connect with your groups or do you still go oh, yeah. to meetings? I mean, I, I went to a meeting yesterday. Uh, I'm, I'm, I, have a, I have a sponsor. I have uh, a kid that I'm sponsoring. Um, so yeah, you're I mean, active I'm, I'm, in that, right? So, oh, yeah. I so mean, when I'm you... not active in it, I heard a guy tell me this just the other day, and it's true. You know, when I don't get to meetings for a couple days, I start to feel it. And mm. when, I don't, when I don't go for like a week... Like everybody starts to feel it, everybody around me, because because the way I, I owe it to the people around me to stay. So I, I have two things to say about that, and then I'm going to get back to my point. When you are a healer, which you got you got to your role in a very trying way, but when you are a healer and that's your God given gift, if you're not healing others, you don't feel good yourself. Hmm. So Bingo, it is yeah. something. By the way, I feel that too. Um, when I'm not helping other people, I can't feel like I'm putting on my own oxygen mask. So yeah. there is yeah. some sort of, um, there's a collat, like there's something correlates there. But obviously you need to be going your meetings so that you stay sharp and you stay focused on your whole thing. But the truth is, is you're needed because you're needed. And that what goes around comes around. What I was going to ask you is when you're at your meetings, have you seen an uptick? Because we joke around, okay? Everyone jokes around. There's a lot of memes about yeah, it. I laugh, but yeah, but yeah. There's there's a lot of stuff that's happened in this year where people yeah. that you would never think would go a wall have yeah. slipped. 
Have oh, you yeah. seen Have you seen that around you? Yeah, I mean, it's I, I I know people who have relapsed, sure, and I know people. You know, the the transition from meetings in person to Zoom. You know, we all have this voice in our head. For uh, not we all. I know. I'll speak for myself. I have a. I have. You know, Joe Namath is sober, and he has he's, he calls the voice in his head slick. You know, because like you'll you'll be in a hotel with a big bottle of wine. Um, you know, in your room in a nice hotel and Slick will be like, you can have one drink. Like, no, you can't, you know? And uh, a lot of people, I think that voice in their head got to talking to them when the transition was made from, you know, in-person meetings to Zoom. A, a lot of people just kind of, hang on one sec, let me decline this. A lot of people just kind of fell off. Um, a lot of people, and I don't know that they drank, but there's a lot of people I used to see three, four times a week who I don't see at all anymore. The you radar, know? yeah. Yeah, um, or they're and, not. And they're not coming to. They're not coming to meetings. No, they're not. Um, but the Zoom meetings are. You know, I I have a meeting that I'm on with guys from outside of Philadelphia, really, and it's four times a week, and it's gotten huge. I mean, there's great recovery in the Zoom thing, but you got to really, you got to be willing. Um, and I'm not saying everybody's relapsed, but I to what you're saying, I think it has been a trying time for a lot of people, and I know some people personally who have slipped, and I think that's a cool thing too. On the other side of that, you have young guys or new people who come around who have gotten sober and stayed sober through a freaking pandemic. It's like, if you can't, if you, right, can, if do you that, can stay sober through a pandemic, you can do anything, yeah. right? Because yeah. that's uh -huh. my, my point is for the rest of us that are not addicts, right? Yeah. There's obviously something different in our brain framework that's been proven in science. Um, but like, there's been, I would say less so now less so now in like the, you know, the year anniversary of it, but that first and second, I don't yeah. want to say quarter, but like, you know, spring and summer last year, even there, even very normal passive yeah. drinkers, sure. we couldn't get through a day without drinking. Yeah. Um, so, and okay. I, I said, I'm like, I see where this could go all right. You can yeah. see it. Yeah. You know, well, that's normal thing. people are, you know, you got like, and that's in one, one last thing I'll say, uh, Jamie is, uh, we, you know, I can't afford that luxury. Like, you know, to the, the, the real alcoholic is constantly trying to convince himself why, why I can drink like Marissa. And I'm not saying you drank a ton during the quarantine, but Marissa's drinking more now. So I, I got, there's got to be a way that I can figure right. it out and I can do it. If you're an alcoholic, you can't ever get that right. And once you've gone through all the doors, I mean, I'm done having fun. You know, I know that. I know if I were to drink again, I, don't, I wouldn't have any fun. You know, I love that perspective. And I think um, what I was going to say is that, you know, we all have our vices, obviously, and we have all leaned on those vices this year more than most, right? As Marissa's chugging her, like, third coffee. I'm sorry, let me just take my 5 p.m. coffee. Whatever gets us through the day. I'm sorry. Uh, whatever gets us through the day. But I yeah. think... I think what's a really interesting point that you're making, Pete, which I, I think I knew this. There's two things I want to say. I think I knew this, but like it is really fascinating and so impressive to hear you say like you're doing this every day. Like this is like four times your week, week you're meeting with that group. And like this is like true commitment. Like It's a job. Like you, yeah. you, you have to work on yourself every single day. Yeah. Stay well, right? So certain things, for example, exercise for me as somebody that always struggled with weight and mental wellness that way, like I needed to work out in order to feel better every day. Um, that was my vice during quarantine, right? So it is so interesting when you 
point that out, that this is like true commitment and practice. That's one. And the other thing I was going to say, which we talked about very um, at much at length with our guest about teen suicide in January. Her name is Susan Talone. She's amazing. Um, she talks about how suicide is, it's just a moment, right? It's one moment. Mm -hmm. And what is so mm -hmm. fascinating to me about addiction and mental wellness as a whole is that's all that you know, falling off is for somebody like yourself too, or any of us, right? It's just a whoops. And all of a sudden you our life is completely forever changed. You and gotta, you got to keep, you got to keep seeing it. Hey, yeah. what I like also about the concept of the moment is that the moment can be the other way too, right? So here's Pete and he has the moment and now his life is forever better because his moment was that he made the decision to get better. Yeah. And that is like something he's committed to for the last nine and a half years, worked at KFC, came out of it. And that I'm guessing is the payoff. Yeah, That's it, it is. By the way, on a Absolutely. And one, one thing I want to add, this is a, an example of why you got to keep working it. And this is just how my brain works. You know, I'm having like all kinds of back trouble, right? Cause I love to run and I'm getting older um, and other stuff has happened in my life. I, got, I recently got into a car accident, um, but I'm fine. Yeah. Everything's good. Yeah. But, but so anyways, um, the guy was like, hey, we're going to, you know, you're, you're okay with medicines, right? And right away, I was like, yeah, I'm fine. Now, he wasn't even thinking about giving me, like, codeine or anything like that. But I, and I just said, yeah. And I'm like, it was, like, the longest 60 seconds of my life before I was like, but, like, non-narcotics. Like, and that's, like, in my mind for 60 seconds, I was thinking, like, maybe I can. My back hurts. Yada, yada. Now, as a sober person, if I have back surgery and, they, and it's major pain and they give me stuff, I take it. You know what I mean? Like when you talk to other people around you and they're sober. But I can get through the day with the pain I'm having now without, without medicine, right? Without, without like some kind of codeine or whatever. But like my mind for that 60 seconds was like, yeah, maybe I can. And so I, I had to tell the guy right away, you know, I can't. So you're constantly, you're not constantly, but that voice is still there. You know, it, yeah. it'll pop up once in a while. Fascinating. So, you know, tell us a little bit more about, you know, obviously we spent a lot of time on the personal stuff and I, I love this because it's so in integrated into who you are. Tell us a little bit about the professional besides obviously waking up at two in the morning. Tell us how you made the shift to news, you know, yes. how it's going in that. And then also would love to hear like how the pandemic obviously affected your industry because so yeah. many people you know, broadcasting from home. Did you guys do that? Obviously, you're back in the studio, I'm guessing. Tell us a little bit about what's happening in your current Let's be life. fair. He's also in Texas. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, I never work from home. No, I'm just, I mean, listen, I don't know who's going to be listening to this. I love I love all my red states. I went to school. I, I, I got, I like yeah. my sweet tea. I like all of it. But you know what? You know, I will do you have a pandemic in Texas, Pete? <laughs> Uh, yeah, we, yeah, we, uh, we have one, but I'm not a Heard on the guy. street yeah. is maybe not. I'd love to hear what you're, um, and that's just the way the news covers it, right? Um, but I, I wanted to say, though, um, first of all, my last trip before the pandemic was to Austin. Okay. And um, my first ever time to Texas, and I absolutely loved it. That's just an aside. My favorite, like literally. The Whole Foods is there. Yeah. It was incredible. <laughs> yes, love my trip. So tell us a little bit more about your current day-to-day, -day, yeah. being a news anchor, all the things. Go ahead. Well, you know, it's unique in a sense where I'm a morning anchor. We talked about the hours, but it's also a different type, a different brand of news in a sense where it's two hours, two and a half hours now. So 4.30 to 7, I'm on the air. And then 
it, the reason I bring that up is it gives me a chance to insert my personality and that's what I like. Uh, you know, I don't like, you know, I'm, and this is another thing too about overcoming stuff, you know? I mean, I was dyslexic and now I read the news for like 70%. You know, when I started as a news anchor, I was like, it was like, it was like a showdown between me and the teleprompter. Like, cause I was, you know, dyslexic, but like, you know, like anything, uh, and that's, that, that goes back to the KFC thing, right? Like you learn to kind of fail and you learn to get through stuff. I remember thinking my first job as an anchor, like if I can get through this KFC stuff, I can get through anything. I, I, so, you know, I, I basically a big part of our day is we, we come in, the, the show is produced. I get to, you know, I read half of the show. My co-anchor reads the other half. I'll read my scripts over. I'll write some scripts. I'll insert some stuff. Um, and then I go out and, and we anchor the show because of the pandemic, we don't go out there together. We go half and half. She goes a half hour. I go a half hour. And, you know, and other things that I can do is use my platform to do stuff I like. Like I have a segment where there, I, I kids who need to be adopted through CPS. I'll feature them once a week. It's called like Wednesday's child in other cities. Yeah. I uh, here it's finding a family and I've done that for four years since I got here. I love doing that. Uh, and you know, the, you mentioned the pandemic, you also get to go out and do stories and then report live on breaking news when that stuff happens. I mean, which brings me to the pandemic that, um, that really changed my life being in the news during the pandemic, because, you know, I love what I do. And I do appreciate the fact that as a morning news personality, people get to know you, you know, I go out and I see people and they, they feel comfortable going up and saying hello and talking to you. You're part of the, you know, they're, they're, they're morning family. You're part they're of their cool. morning. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and, and I feel a connection with with the people that watch us. I'm I'm still blown away that somebody would start their day with me. You know, anybody. So anybody, a woman, anybody. So <laughs> so um, anyways, like the pandemic was huge because I, I I really felt like we mattered. I mean, like there were there were people that were struggling that needed to hear from the governor, and I was able to interview the governor, and so the governor could talk to Texans through me. I mean, I talked to Governor Abbott many times um, on the air, which was cool. And then we also had, you know, food banks and stuff where people needed to know where to go to get like food. I mean, it's like, we, I don't think of that, but I probably should more often. And it was, you kind of, you know, I don't take what I do too seriously. I try not to take myself too seriously, but at the same time, I was like, oh, wow, this is a big deal. People need to know uh, information. I mean, we always, if there's, a, if there's a murder on the loose and it's outside, somebody's neighborhood, we need to tell them what's going on so they can stay safe and close their doors and whatever. But this was a whole nother level. It's really fascinating and amazing of what, what you do. And, and we're having so many amazing conversations in the last year of people who are making a difference in some way. And it is so refreshing to hear your perspective on that. Like that is, you're actually making a difference. You are helping others to stay informed, which is helping yeah. them to live their lives, which is a really interesting way of thinking about it. Um, I love that. So it's also, you're also providing, let's be honest, you're also providing pattern and continuity. Yeah. So one of the things I yeah. always admired about a news anchor, and I've actually noticed it, uh, it's missing from my life now because I don't get up at the same time and I don't, I don't commute at the same time. So I, I also admittedly, in all due respect to you, can take in less news because when I take in too yeah. much news, I can't function. Um, <laughs> but when I used to yeah. commute, the morning news 
that was part of my routine. So you are actually providing healing by being there for everybody every morning on a, you're their friend. And I mean, like you're, you're there, like when they wake up and they're drinking their coffee and they're trying to figure out how they can put one foot in front of the other today. Well, there's Pete, he managed to do it and he's there every day. And the truth is, is you, you can't undervalue how important it is to see somebody that you depend on and that you're like actually having relationships with your viewers, especially when they're really needing, right? Yeah. Like and they well, they look the forward things- to your jokes or whatever it is that you provide. And, and that's really, really important. And then also, not for nothing, you guys have had a ton of news this year. Yeah, yeah. You didn't just have that. You had the um, the storms, right? Yeah, I mean, we, we, I, I had to sleep at work a couple of nights. We stayed at a hotel that was right next door to work, and then that wasn't even close enough. We actually had to stay at work to make sure we could we could make it there. By the way, just to bring it around full circle to the, to the podcast and, and the sobriety thing, you know, I had this trust that I built with the morning viewers over the course of four years. And then, you know, the, the station, I didn't even want to really want to do something. This woman, Julie Hayes, I work with was like, if you're doing a podcast, like I want to feature you and write a story on you and have an interview with you. I saw and this, like, by the way, yeah. I saw this. And so that was, I was almost more nervous about that than anything. And people had been so um, gratuitous and generous with like, Hey, complimenting and saying that impacted me. So now you have one of your friends who you said you, you have your pattern with, and now they're opening up about this. I have no clue. I wish I could tell you that was part of the, the idea. It wasn't. That's, you know, that's bigger than me. That's God, the universe, you know. I saw, I must have Googled or looked up something, and I saw that, and it was phenomenal. And the truth really does behold. I mean, that goes back to what we were saying at the beginning of the conversation. We weren't, we weren't raised that way. We weren't, yeah. we weren't raised to have our inside selves on the exterior. Oh, no, no. Um, so, you know, and I, I do think the generation behind us will be yielding their insides a lot easier on the outside. Um, and I think there be that the work in progress is happening out now from all of us in all angles. Um, but you being that fixture and then somebody that really, really cares about you you know, in the way that they do, your viewer now knows this other piece about you is phenomenal and also really impactful for what the work that you're doing with the payoff. Um, yeah. Because you, you may be touching them in a way that they would never even know that you're also that. Yeah, it's fine. It's, it's, it's pretty crazy. I still, uh, you know, it, it, it's a cool thing. It really is. You know, yeah. and, and that's a good segue then to, I'd love to hear from you advice that you might have for, you know, whichever audience you choose to talk about, you could say, you know, the, the audience listening to your podcast or the audience that is your, you know, um, credit, you know, next generation yeah. that wants to get into broadcasting. Like what advice do you have for a job seeker for the type of career path you've gone through? Um, you know, obviously you've been open-minded and flexible, which is something we yeah. talk about all the time. Like here you are a Northeast guy in sports. Now you're doing news in Texas. Like what's your kind of, um, advice for our listener as far as that goes, like as far sure. as being flexible and, and moving into a career and what you've done in broadcasting. You know, I do get, like, I, you know, I get to talk to people that are coming around trying to get sober uh, and they help me stay sober, but I also get to talk to people trying to get in the news industry, trying to get into sports. And, you know, one of the big things I tell them, and this is kind of weird, this is kind of, see what you guys think about this, just from what you guys do with your, you know, industry of fashion and stuff. Like, you know, 
interning for me is, I, I think it's huge. And I, it's and kind of dipped, it's dipped a little bit because of the pandemic. And I hope to see it come back. I mean, there are still interns, but there's something about taking a job um, for very little or no money, which not everybody can afford to do. But when you're out of college, sometimes you can. Um, I'll put that out there with doing something you love uh, and, and being around it. You know, like I got back, I got into public relations in the NBA because I moved to Colorado Springs and was an intern for USA basketball. And like a lot, you know, I was just like, okay, this is where the opportunity is. I went there. And then my next job was in the NBA in Charlotte. But I, I think interning is really important. Um, the willingness to just get your foot in the door as a young kid. Totally totally, and you know, yeah. I think in a weird way, we're seeing that, or we're hoping that even if it's just, um, which in a weird way is a silver lining with the whole Zoom virtual thing, right? So if you can't get a traditional internship the way it would like look prior, like you have no excuse almost at this point of not being able to quote, be around it, like you just said, which I love, of somebody that inspires you, something you want to be doing. You can connect to almost anyone at this point digitally, which we did yeah. not have. Um, we didn't have LinkedIn. We didn't have these ways to connect to others who do what we do. There was no podcast. There was no way to absorb information from somebody who inspires you, right? Yeah. So that, I think, in and of itself, if not a traditional internship, is now such a benefit to this generation of being able to at least absorb information yeah. from those types of industries, whether it be from podcasts or reaching out to them on LinkedIn, setting up virtual coffees, joining networking groups like what Marissa and I have created. That kind of stuff is so empowering. Like here you are, you know, Marissa's friend from college, but you're a public figure in your in your world and yeah. you're spending time talking to an audience, which you're also doing um, with your own podcast that people out there can consume and feel like they might be able to connect you in some way and learn about your industry and learn about you. And then they can take that into their career path, which is a very unique thing. So I agree with you about the internship, but if it doesn't uptick just yet, there are other ways to then still consume or be around the industries that you want to be in, which I think. Yeah, there's, there's one other thing that I wanted to mention. Um, I, 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 it's really important. It's hard to write this script, but if you can figure out, what you want to do early on, like you can do anything. And that's so cliche, but like chase your dream. Like if I had known, and I have the best experience in Richmond and now I mean, here I am because of that. But if I was a little more, you know, I would have gone to a school with better broadcasting. I, I would have busted my, my ass to try to go to Syracuse and like walk on the football team or play there and, and use that comm school to really, you know. If you, me so, so meanwhile, David, who you met before has went to Newhouse. Oh, exactly. So that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. And I didn't have yeah. that vision when I was younger. So even if you do wake up as a sophomore or junior and you say, okay, now I want to get into broadcasting, get your rear end down to the TV station or the radio station. You've got to get reps. I can't speak for other jobs, but for me, you got to be on air to get better, period. I mean, some people have it when the light comes on, but if you're going to be in broadcast, you have got to practice broadcasting in front of a microphone, in front of an audience, in front of a red light. That, to me, is critical. Because when I started, like I said, I did live broadcasts um, for the NBA and all that stuff. But when I started to get, when I got to the studio and I was reading from a prompter and then I was ad-libbing and then I was interviewing people and there's lights here, lights there, cameras there, you can't really fake that. 
you have to experience that over and over and over again to get comfortable. So that is a big thing. Like get reps, however your career and your industry allows for you to get reps. I mean, period. It's so funny you say that. I, I'm a big, we're both actually big Peloton fans. And we, um, I think of this often, by the way, because I obviously do this and I, I quote unquote am on air, but in a different kind of way. Yeah. And I watch them and they're so inflappable. Like, you know what I mean? Like they're looking this way and then all of a sudden they're looking this yeah. way, also teaching and they're running. And like, that's not even close to the same thing, but a similar vibe for me, because I consume it every day. Like, it really is such a skill in and of itself, that in and of itself, of being able to like know where to look and how to engage with the camera. In fact, we're also big American Idol fans. And when you watch them try to, these like, you know, kids from Oklahoma trying to like figure out what camera to look at when they're live, that is like a real skill. Like you have no idea what you're doing. So I think that's great advice. Like if, especially if you want to get into broadcasting, you got to get out there and record and hustle. I mean, every and by the way, not for nothing, no matter where you are, this is, this is a fun tip. No matter where you are, you could do this job. Yeah, and you're like, you, know, you can studios. find a local, you know, your local anything anchor or, or news organizations. Yeah. Even, even like not for nothing. I mean, when you live in suburbia, I mean, sometimes you'll reflect, sometimes I'll grab onto what's on like that New Jersey station because sure. it matters to me, yeah, right? Like, or I need to know, or I, I want to see what's the traffic jam there. Like, I just want to look really yeah. fast. And I mean, that that's real stuff. I mean, it doesn't have to be, I mean, sure. End game might be that you want to be, you know, the next, you know, Katie Couric yeah. or, or, you know, even look what Jenna Bush has done or, you know, any, anybody, but like at the end of the day, there's a million cities in this country that need people. Yeah. Oh, to, for sure. To work in the newsroom. And, and, and you want to get, I'll tell you a, a, an interesting story. Like when I, I, you want to be ready. I didn't play by play for the NBA entertainment. Um, and they put me in a studio show to do the W the, the NBA development league draft for NBA entertainment. It was a big show. And honestly, this was like six years ago. I wasn't ready. I was terrible. Um, and, and it was like, it was humbling. Um, and it was what it was. Uh, and then you look back, fast forward, uh, just this uh, winter, because of the pandemic and people are spread so all over the place, ESPN needs guy to call, guys to call games, you know, play by play. And I know how to do play by play because I've done it before. But I've also been on air a lot over the past like six years. So I'm just ready. So they asked me to do these games. And I did well, well enough where I keep getting asked back. And that's right. Like you've got, like, I wasn't ready when that happened with that first opportunity I talked about because I just didn't have the reps and uh, you know, you need, you want to be ready when you get the opportunity. So anyway, you can get those reps to make yourself ready. That's I think that's really good advice in general. I think that's very obviously specialized to broadcasting, but just being ready. Like when you get the call, like I, I just actually today, you know, as we mentioned earlier, we are running this networking group now called the Dreamcatchers Web. It's part, it's an extension of our podcast. And it's kind of an aggregator of all the folks we've ever interviewed. And then all of these new grads and everyone in between trying to give them a space and a home to, to kind of come together. And we also have um, dream ambassadors, like ambassadors on campus. And so our, our Michigan ambassador, which is because of my relationship with my school, um, texted me today and was send me a screen grab of a potential opportunity that she was going to, you know, explore for an interview. And, you know, we're going back and forth about it. And she's like, do you think this is an interview or do you think this is a job offer? Like, what should I do? I'm like, 
doesn't matter. Say yes. Just anything you can do. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Like she was like, like a little fixated about whether or not she should call the person back or what do you think she should say? I'm like, I don't care. Just say yes, get the practice, do it anyway. You know, and because at the end of the day, it, that will end up breeding the good energy that you need to find the job. So it's also important to surround yourself with people like you, people like Marissa, people you can ask those questions that'll give you those answers. I had a huge support, like, you know, my buddy, Matt Devlin, who's from the, the New York area. He's now the Raptors TV guy. He did a lot of NFL and he's a guy that I'll talk to when I have big stuff happen in my life professionally and he'll guide me in the right way. It's just great to have those people. Have you, and I don't, I don't know this answer. Um, because I, I am coming from my naive, only don't pay attention to sports that much face. Um, do, have you had the professional, um, opportunity to cross paths to work together again with Todd? No, I have not. I, I would look for, someday I would be a lucky man if that were to happen. Yeah. So, so for our, anyone that's listening and also for Jamie, I mean, these are two of my really dear friends. Yeah. That, I'll tell like, you some good stories the, about Todd. We were, but so it, I mean, even so, like regardless, to me, you're Pete and you're yeah. Todd. Like, until yeah. I see, until every once in a while, I see Todd's face in yeah. my in my bedroom, which is <laughs> you know an ironic moment. Um, yeah. When I see it on the TV, I'm like, oh my god, there's Todd, and it's been like that for a really long time for me yeah. because I, I I didn't. It wasn't. It just you, you know, were my friends. But I my point yeah. is for both of you to have landed and or have had that friendship and then had the interest in sports and then started in your career together yeah. and then both actually be successful in your own right. I mean, he's super successful. Roles. I'm not even going to put myself in the same conversation. But, he, but here's Fine. the thing. And Fine. I do want to say this about Todd. He, remember that person I just talked about that know what you want to do? He mm -hmm. really did. I he was mean, very he was, focused. When we were in college, he was he working was very focused. in his closet focused yeah. on he wanted to work in the nfl yeah he, and, and, and we, we lived in new york together we had a place on 107 east 63rd i was like 22 i had no i was out of my mind in the meantime you know i was partying every night i was loving it he was like working he would party a little bit but he would get back to work he just always had that in him he yeah. knew what he wanted to do at a young age and that is important if you can you know if you're young and you're watching this or you're looking about thinking about careers Todd knew exactly what he wanted to do. He was like a pit bull. He lapped on it early on and he never Look, left. I, I like this and I feel like we can wrap, wrap a little bit with our, our, our finale questions after this. But what I like about this conversation and so much of what Jamie and I talk about is for the person like I was or like Jamie was, where they weren't quite sure what they wanted to do or what they wanted to do was not as finite. Like I... I, I was a double major in business and marketing and all I wanted to do was work in beauty and I was blinders on about it. So, um, you know, and my, and my friends in the business school knew that I created thesis around it. I, all my internships were around beauty, LOL. Best dress woman in Richmond. And I'm yeah. not just, you were always. No, like I, 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 I was like, I can't get a job in that industry out of Richmond. They want me to work in the marketing department at Accenture. And yeah. I was like, that's not going to work for me. But the point is, um, not that there's anything wrong with that, it just wasn't for me. Um, so the point is, is unless you, when you truly know what you want to do. So this is the first time I actually think we've had a conversation this specific. And then it's of course about sobriety also, which is also hard work, which is obviously the number one thing. But when you really know that you want to do something, you've got to get on it. 
And yeah. like you've got, and it's not to say that you can't catch up because what meant to, what's meant to be in life is meant to be. But when you have that burn, the sooner you start working on that burn, the better off you will be down the road. And I, I, I don't know if we've had, I mean, we've had what, upwards of 50 guests that we've interviewed. And I'm not sure if any of them were in a field where they were like, I want to do this. And that end game was something as specific and or, you know, as poignant as what you do. So, you know, I hope that anybody out there that wants to get into, I mean, listen, my first, one of my first real wants, I don't talk about this that often, as I was a sportscaster um, in my high school, Gosh. and I was, I, I was an Northern Valley news reporter, but you know, the, the, the fine line is I didn't have the courage. I didn't have the courage to do the travel. I didn't want to live in yeah. Kansas. Yeah. I didn't have the balls yeah. to do it. Yeah. And uh -huh. I think, I think, I think the, a good sum up of this conversation is that, um, you know, when you hard know work pays off, you go after it. What? Hard work pays off. Hard work pays off. One. Yeah. But also when you want something, you go after it. But I think one of the messages that I do want to come back to, which I think is important for some of our listeners is it's okay if you can't get the dream job, right? It's then finding the dream in the job you do get, right? So if you can't get the dream job, which maybe Pete's dream job is not Waco, no offense to Waco, but wow. he's finding the dream in the job in Waco and he's figuring out his way in a world where, he, as he mentioned at the top of the conversation, he's in a position where he's done working by 7, 7.30 in the morning and then he has his day to do some of these side hustles in his passions, which are sports or play by you know play uh, play by play uh, announcing yeah, yeah. or coaching or working with others in um aa or doing his podcast and that is such a cool testament to showing that even if you don't get the full dream job you find the dreams in the jobs and For that sure. is something that is so important to share um you know marissa and i like to say we're pretty close to our dream job now it's taken us a long time to, to get here and the podcast has helped us yeah. in being able to really say that what I do is is my life's mission like this is what I was put on this planet to do which is talk to others and help others turn their lights on and yeah, yeah and that it, it's hard okay. it's hard but hard work pays off as we like to say yeah. so to wrap we like to ask a couple of, of questions to wrap but our, our last professional question, and then we can ask more of a personal yeah. question. Yeah. You know, tell us a little bit about, obviously for you specifically, your answer is is um, probably a little bit different than most. Tell us what inspires you and keeps you going. So we talked about you like to run. What is it that you consume or do to stay inspired? Who inspires you? What inspires you to keep going, both on your sobriety road, but also in your professional life? I think the people around me inspire me. I, I'm, I'm so always surprised by what this second act I have, uh, you know, the people that are, you end up with the best people around you, uh, whether they're people in sobriety, whether they're people out of sobriety, you know, I'm not having conversations like this if I'm not sober. And I swear Marissa's going to give me a hard time about this, but like you guys inspire me, like doing this pot, like, like I am inspired by the people around me with vision, with goals, with vulnerability uh, the people that show me who they are, that inspires me. Uh, so it's really, I'm inspired by the people who are around me. And, and today too, like, 
you know, you get to choose. I get to choose who I want to be around. They choose me. I can choose them. You know, like there's certain people in your life. Even now, I'm like, eh, I don't know. You know what I mean? I've heard a guy say it once, like, and you guys can relate in your fashion world. Like, you go in your closet. Is this like a hell yeah, I want to keep this item? Or is this a maybe? Like, at some point in life, you get rid of the maybes. And you just, you're surrounded by hell yeahs. And, like, that's kind of where I think I get a lot of my inspiration is from the people around me. Because I think life is really about connecting with people. And like, like we're doing here. I mean, it's cliche, but it's true. So true. I know, do you have, I'm guessing you probably do, but um, I'd love to hear them anyway. Do you have any mantras or any kind of action words or things you say to yourself um, that you would like to share? I mean, Marissa and I have so many, as, Mar as she alluded to earlier, so yeah. many. Right now, our big one is lead with light. Um, say yes. Um, network most when you need at least. There's so many career-minded mantras that we preach. Um, but do you have any mantras that you say to yourself or to others on a regular? You know, I have a thing of, um, and it's kind of hokey. Like if I have like, a, I'm always worried somebody's going to see it, but what I don't care. I mean, that's, you know, I have this thing inside my closet door. It just says, keep going. And, you know, that is, I, I have, a, I'm surrounded enough by, like I mentioned, the people and the program and where I'm going to get the spiritual mantras, like just, just I'm going to fall back into them fall you know because like they're they're always around me i'm lucky like that if i keep surrounding myself with the right people but the keep going thing is like the professional persistence like the dogged determination like you know there i don't like waking up at 2 a.m you know um i don't you know there are other places where i have goals working but like i literally tell my keep going keep going like you know i wanted to do play by play um i just kept keep going keep going so now you see the goals kind of start to fall in but i've I have got to show up and keep going. Like there's days when I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to wake up that early. I want to go find another like day shift. I can work somewhere else. You know, I've had opportunities, but no, like I keep going, you know, you're in, you're in the right place. And that to me is huge. Like to keep going, because I think a lot of people in certain industries bail when it gets hard because it gets hard, you know? Yeah, Marissa, Marissa says that all the time. We never give up. We just keep yeah, going. Never keep give going. Up. Never, yeah. never give up. I, you about, might try to knock me down, but I never, ever give up. Ever. Never yep. give up. And I think, you know, with that then, do you think, do you consider yourself to have a superpower? Like, we, we believe that everyone has something, um, whether they realize it or not, yeah. that they bring that other people don't bring. What do you think your superpower is? I, I think it's vulnerability uh, that comes through sobriety. I think I'm I, I'm able to kind of I think I'm vulnerable. I mean I'm 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 a dude who's in his 40s who's vulnerable. I kind of I, I I listen. You know I think vulnerability is a superpower because you get that light, like the sunlight of the spirit or whatever you want to call it, will shine through you when you're vulnerable and kind of level that ego and. You know, you're there for other people. You're you're honest. You get the deal. Oh, so refreshing this conversation. I love it. Um, is there anything we didn't get to ask you that you wanted to make sure you covered? We talked a lot about the podcast, but where is it available? Where can people hear it? You know, luckily I'm just like you guys, all platforms. Awesome. Um, so that's cool. Um, I mean, that's about it. I, I appreciate the opportunity. Um, you know, uh, anybody has any questions about sobriety or or job or whatever, just DM me. 
um, you know, um, my stuff will be. Yeah, that's you know, true. You, we should do that. You, you seem somebody like somebody that's very approachable, obviously, yeah. um, and receptive to helping others. So if there's anybody in our audience that feels drawn to reach out to Pete, whether it's professional guidance or for personal intervention sure. support yeah. or collaboration, um, yeah. he will absolutely take the time to find you. It might and be at two thirty in the morning now. And if you, for some reason, don't feel comfortable talking to Pete directly, feel free to DM us. We can put you in touch with Pete. Right. If you don't want to be public about it, we can privately connect you. Um, yeah. And the the one thing Jamie always likes to 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 ask, and I want to ask you, is we we have something that we talk about um, often. It's called our brand crush, and it basically is a brand or a business or something that just really turns us on a little bit. Like we think you're doing an amazing job or we can't live without it. And of course, Jamie and I are very vocal about everything that we think is amazing. Yeah. Um, is there anything this year or locally in Waco or any place that you're just in love with and that your life would not be, you know, shiny or as sunshiny without, especially after the last several difficult months, like a small uh, business that you'd want to spread some light to, we tag them, we share them. It's just like, positive energy i mean i don't have the best answer for this because i honestly like i, I love i love podcasts and i love you know this is crazy but i, I love howard stern uh, and 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 it's not like he needs any help um but for me i mean i grew up listening to him he's kind of evolved i, I feel like i've evolved as a man it's a piece of the northeast wherever i am um he's one of my heroes and he's it, it's you know and i know he's not the greatest guy or whatever i mean like he admits that i mean he actually is you know a very full uh person and he's evolved the time but that that show and that that's always been there for me uh and it's weird but i i love it and that is like i that that's important to me i know it sounds nuts but yeah. i i think that's valid and you you do have you are you like an a are you finding your way to other types of Southern fried chicken now? <laughs> like, yeah. you, have I mean, you varied I mean, brisket, your- I love brisket. Okay. Um, you know, I, oh, here's, here's one thing I love. There's, there's a, there's a place called, here, here you go. I got one for you. A place called Lolita's here. They have the greatest breakfast tacos in the world. And these things really make me happy. It's local. Um, and it's right here in Waco. And I think it's the best breakfast taco I've ever had in my life. And the Tex-Mex you get, around around here is awesome i mean i you know dating somebody in dallas i go there a lot um and just like you you, you the restaurants and the food the food is unbelievable here i can't believe how good it is and uh i'm from the northeast i thought we had the best food ever all right so we'll we'll shout out howard lolita's yeah, i mean yeah i know it's like and, yeah and even better we'll shout out lolita's lolita's and you know yeah. and 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 we'll and we'll share with the world that you have a good taste for food um after spending some time at kentucky pride and you there know you i think i think uh i think you really are something pete it, it is very um you know you're really actually the same guy <laughs> you're really actually the same guy you were just lost because mm. everything you're saying about you i saw everything you're saying about you i saw so, I you know, I, I give you a lot of credit for coming home to yourself. I, I really appreciate you saying that. It means a lot. And I shared something you shared with me with a buddy of mine. I said, you know, this 
woman who I really look up to and, and, and like had a bond with talked about who I think a lot of talked about how she saw me in college and you were really nice about it. You were like, you know, looking back when I found out you were an alcoholic, I was like, Oh yeah, he probably, that does make a little bit of sense. And I was blocked off from people like you. And now I'm not. But we didn't know, like, and that's the thing, you know, I think if we're going to say anything to the, to all of us collectively, we need to speak up, even if it's uncomfortable. Like in 1997 or 1998, 1999, I wouldn't have even had the language. Yeah, yeah, no. Chance. I wouldn't have even known what to say to yeah. say. By the way, this is more than it should be. You know, like, but, but, but we all, you know, like you just know things, but you didn't. We didn't have the tools, and and I do wild. think now wild when I read Glennon's book, for example, because she talks about mostly in her second book that I just read. Actually, it's her first book, but it's the second book I read. Um, she was at Love Warrior, where she talks about her addiction in college that really sounds so similar to all of our college experiences. Like we all binge drank. We all were drinking from morning till night. We all were throwing up and doing it again the next day anyway. And it really is so fascinating to hear like where that moment happened and like that there's still, it is such a mental wellness thing because, you know, there is something that just clicked in Pete that didn't click in the rest of us and that that's okay and you can fix it. So I think that that's something that's so important to share with the audience. It's like, we all have been there. It's just, yeah. um, whatever your thing is, right. You know, yeah. you feel, you know, the hardest part is to show somebody your true self. And then when you do, you're free, you know? Free. Well, hard work pays off as does this conversation. It was a huge, you guys, by the way, what you guys are doing is awesome. Thank uh, you. I, I've had a blast. Um, uh, and, and I know what you've done before and what you'll, you know, it's just, it's good stuff. And when I connected with Marissa, it felt really good and this feels really good. So I'm, I, I really appreciate the opportunity and, and I'll do anything I can to, to move, you know, this thing forward with you guys, whatever you need from me, you know, just let me know. I, I, if I could hug you, I would, it would be big <laughs> two arms and yeah. I'm really, really happy to have reconnected. Yeah. And I um I send love to all the boys. We all had a special time. Um when when I mean I would go home at eleven thirty, but you managed to stay out a little bit later than me. Yeah. Um we threw back. We 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 all can hear the songs off Dave Matthews and have the same memories. Oh my gosh, yeah. And it's it's the reason why we all are the way we are. So yeah. I'm thankful for you spending your afternoon or your evening or actually yeah. that time or whatever it is for you right now. And um, we will we will catch up soon. It was nice to see your yeah. face. And I, I send um, you so much love. I'm so inspired by you, Pete. Good for you. Thank you, guys. Right back at you. Marissa, Jamie, thank you guys so much for having me. Christian, take care, buddy. He's thank the producer. Have there. a good one. Yeah. Bye, Pete. Thank you to Taja Collection, our sponsor. Thank you, Pete. Thank you to Choice Associates, our mothership. And um, thanks for being here today. And thanks to the Richmond Spiders. Yeah, go wouldn't be here without you. Every day that we lead with light as the Dreamcatchers is made possible by our parent company, Partners in Crime, Choice Fashion and Media, Division of Choice Associates, where we've been putting people to work since 1974. So if you're looking for work or you're looking for people to work for you, check mm -hmm. us out, www.choicepersonnelinc.com. Thanks so much for listening to The Payoff with Pete. 
Once again, I'm Pete Souza, And of course, we are part of the Rogue Media Network. All kinds of good podcasts you can find at roguemedianetwork.com. And of course, you can find this podcast and all those other ones wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, other spots like that. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast. 